Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend to know about wine. I am one of your hosts, Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matthew Quigley. I think in future we probably want to record back in the library. Yeah. The books have a way of absorbing the... um... Echo. Yeah, we have a scene change today. Uh, we're recording in my apartment, not my dad's library. So it's, um, I have less stuff. I have less possessions. So not that he has a lot of possessions. I just don't have a lot of money to buy things for my apartment. So there's a lot of like empty space and it's echoing. So we're not going to do this again. Uh, even though he was so kind to come over here. Um, and so yes, welcome back. What do you think it should be? Should it be the podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend or we pretend? No, put it back on the listener. You. You. You're the one who doesn't know anything about wine. Uh, so every week we sit down, we drink some wine, um, I get some pretty wine, and we talk about a different facet of wine that I was completely ignorant to before. So this week, last week, and by last week I mean literally 10 minutes ago, we were talking about Napa Valley. So we're kind of switching gears into specific areas just to kind of mix it up a little bit. And so we're going new world, old world. So last week, new world, Napa Valley wines. This week, old world, what are we talking about, Dad? Well, in honor of the wine that we have, which was a gift from uh, someone recently. You can uh, say who it was. <laughs> Uh, from Grant Veltman's parents. Yeah, Warren and Julie Veltman. Who visited us uh, last evening. Uh, we're going to talk about Italy because the wine that they gifted. Uh, g- gifted us is from Italy, although it's a very uh, obscure area. But uh, this will be an entree into discussion as, as to Italian grapes and Italian areas. Yes. And it is taking everything in me to not say something in an offensive Italian accent. In all episode, I'm going to do... Please do not. On the tip of my tongue, I'm just going to be like, Italian wine. And I'm just going to have to hold that in all episode. Yes, please do. A gamay for, from... Um, it, it, uh, sorry, I, again, I told you I'm going to want to say it with an accent all episode. Italy. And you say this is a... You, so cheers, first off. And cheers to the Velmans. And you have said that this is a unique wine. Why do you say Gamay isn't a common wine in Italy? Uh, well, the well, even the winemakers admit that they've sort of resurrected this uh, area in terms of the wine, which is a part of Italy in the northwest that is tucked right underneath Switzerland. So if you've ever taken the train to Lausanne and stopped in Lugano, which is a marvelous place, uh, that's the area that we're talking about. And it's a Gamay, which is a grape, which is usually not associated with... Lugano. With Italy at all. Okay. It's uh, a grape which is um, the mainstay of Beaujolais, which Fran. is French. And Gamay is a hot or cold weather grape. Okay. I'm going to say cold. You would be correct. Woo! If you recall, when you went to Michigan in Traverse City and I said, there is a winery there called Traverse City that makes a Gamay. So 
it's got to be, be a cold, cold weather, weather grape to be exactly. up in northern Michigan. Yes, if you can ripen something in Traverse City, it's got to be a cold weather grape. Okay, there yes. you go. Right. So, cool. So, we are talking about Italy, and we're, I think we should go over kind of... I think last episode we talked a lot about... And this is why every episode... I said this last time, and I'm going to say it again. I really think that everyone should start at the beginning, as you should with any podcast. I think it's ludicrous to start at the newest episode. Start at the beginning, because I, when I edit these, I still basically know nothing about wine, and I'm, we already are using words that would have confused me pre this podcast. So start at the beginning. But when we were talking about Napa last episode, episode 7... Uh, we discussed what an AVA was, what the breakdown of AVAs in Napa Valley were. The first word in the acronym AVA is American. So obviously right. that does not yes. apply to the, Italy. Yes, the Italians do not ask our Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and Firearms to come up with their grading system. Yeah, they're like, right. please, America, right. come judge so, our wine. <laughs> in Italy, it is D-O-C-G. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will butcher the Italian, but it is basically the domain, origin, control, and guarantee. So, <laughs> Sorry, a little redundant in my opinion. Well, so there are DLC wines, domain, or, origin, and con- uh, controlled wines, which tend to be um, named wines that have some restrictions in terms of how they're made but the very top wines are DOCG wines so control and guarantee so kind of the same way that in America there's AVAs and then there's sub AVAs yes and no the G part of it actually is an imprimatur of it being a superior wine whereas an AVA is just a geographic Boundary. Okay, can will it say on the back of an Italian yes. wine DOCG? So if you see DOCG, it's like this is guaranteed to be decent. Well, first step, yes. Okay. Right. So some areas are DOC and then some areas are DOCG. And unless I had a map in front of me, I really couldn't exactly tell you which is which, although I have a pretty good general idea. So Wait, what? Well, one versus another. Oh, so, so we're going to be talking about a bunch of different areas. So do most they work of them, together? Is it the same entity? Well, sometimes the DOC encompasses a larger area, and the DOCG is within the within the center or in some part of it. Okay. So it's like the sweet spot, and then the DOC is a Outside is a larger area. This is so already so confusing. Um, can I? Are, and you say if you make wine that is not in a DOC. Or a DOCG. I guess they're all DOCs then. Uh, is it just wine of the country? Yep. So what does that say on the bottle? Um, it'll say the typically the varietal, and then underneath it'll say Italy. No. Oh, okay. That's not Chardonnay, about what I'm Italy. buying. I think I have one of those on my shelf. So is it a similar system to that of other European countries? Is this how it generally goes down? It is similar to France in that there are a fair number of restrictions that also go with putting the location on the label. So in most places there are uh, restrictions on yield, that is how many tons per acre you can pull off the, uh, the vines. There are restrictions sometimes on how the wine is made. 
the grapes that are used to make the wine. Uh, and then sometimes how long it sits in bottle or in cask. Okay, I guess my question is kind of like, so for example, relating it to France, because I like that we're talking about Italy, but I will admit that of all the countries that we've been kind of talking about, France has been the most common. So I think I've learned already the most about France, but let's say about like Bordeaux. So to me, I'm like, I try to put it into like an American perspective where I'm like, Oh, so a Bordeaux is a... What kind of grape is it? What varietal? Typically Cabernet. Okay, so that's my point. I'm like, oh, so a Bordeaux is a Cab, and you're kind of like, a Bordeaux is a Bordeaux. Like, that's the type of wine that it is. Is it the same sort of thing in Italy where it's like... Where it's like... And to be a Bordeaux, it not only needs to be a certain type of grape, it also needs to do X, Y, and Z. So Italy is going to further confuse you because they have their own grapes. What so there's like their own Italian, Italian grapes. grapes? Yes, most classic. Most of Italy, the grape wines of Italy are distinctive grapes. They're random. That are not. They're not Chardonnay. They're not random. They're, <laughs> but they're grapes that are produced there, um, and are not the international grapes that everyone knows in terms of Cab Merlot, except for what are called Super Tuscan wines. It's literally, they're called Super Tuscan wines. They're called Super oh Tuscan. My so why don't we why don't we jump? Yeah, why don't we jump in to an area which is a little easier to understand? Which is if you look at the map of Italy, is kind of towards the top and the left, not quite there to uh, Switzerland and, right. and the Alps, uh, but it's called the Piedmont area. Okay, near so, Milan. Uh, yeah, near Milan, uh, although probably a little south of there. So the, the Piedmontese area is home of of two of the great three killer bees of Italy. So literally killer bees, or is that a yeah? The killer bees are the three great wines of Italy, and they all begin with B. When you said killer bee, I thought you meant an insect with venom that no, will stop. No, it is again. the letter B, the second letter in the alphabet, and it's very easy. To remember great Italian wines. Um, Buscadet. You just made that up. There's no such thing. <laughs> I was thinking Muscadet, but I put a B on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, Brunello. Yes. And um, I think that's the only one I'm going to know. Barbaresco. Wouldn't have gotten And that. Barolo. I should have known Barolo, yeah. and I'm a little embarrassed about the so Buscadet. Yeah, so the three great Bs, Barolo, Barbaresco, are from Piedmont. And Brunello is a Tuscan wine. So two grapes, two great wines. Are from near Milan. Right. And then the other wine is sort of close to Florence, if you consider an hour and a half south close. What would the label of that look like? Brunello and the producer? It would be the producer, and it would say Babaresco. And then it may give you further information in terms of the vineyard and the year. Okay. So the Barolo, excuse me, I'm getting my bees mixed up. Barbaresco. You're getting, okay. Imagine how I feel. Yeah. Barbaresco and Barolo are both produced from the characteristic Piedmont grape, which is the Nebbiolo. So the Nebbiolo grape is the basis of those two wines. And the only place you'll ever get Nebbiolo is basically from Piedmont 
Yeah, so that grape isn't... Oh, didn't you say they kind of... Isn't the Zinfandel close to that? Primitivo. Different oh, grape. okay, sorry. All right, let's literally not confuse my... I'm, like, confusing myself. Okay. Yes. So... Not so, so Italy makes it even more confusing because, as I just asked you, oh, so what again do they grow in Bordeaux? And you were like, uh, haha, you idiot, they grow, um, like cab and some Merlot. Mm-hmm. But I could ask you, what do they grow in, um, Brunello again? And you'd be like, a name a grape type that I wouldn't even know, probably. Yeah, okay. So, does do Italian labels usually have the varietal on there as well? No, of course not. Okay, so they would just say Brunello. They would think you're an idiot if you needed to to know what the variety is. Then they'd is. be right. If it said Brunello on the label, you, you should know. Then it's... Okay, and then um, they'll have the producer as well. Every wine always has a producer. My dad's getting fidgety. I think he wants to leave. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just like... Well, before you freak out about it, let's talk about a couple of different areas. And, and Every time I freak out about wine now, I just keep drinking it and then I get over it. Yeah, so let's, let's try to form a little bit of intellectual framework to which we can start That's actually, I'm so sticking, big. sticking stuff into. I need into. that. So I'm building yeah. a bulletin board, The Shape of Italy. So in your mind, think of Italy, top left, you know, uh, so before the boot starts... Yeah. You know, the, the collar on the boot is Piedmont. And we talked about the two great wines out of Piedmont, uh, Barolo and Barbaresco. And they're made from a particular grape called the Nebbiolo. Right. And there are probably 60 or 70 different top producers from this area. Oh, really? uh, The wines tend to be pretty expensive, but you can find bargains in the $25, $30 range. In every area, you've got the wannabes who are producing lower-priced alternatives from the same grape, but they're not, oh. they're not like within the exact registered area. They're on the other hillside or, or So whatever. they don't get to say that area. That's right. But then how would you know that it was near that area? If you knew your geography. Oh, my God. That is the worst <laughs> answer. That's the worst answer. You not only need to know the big places, you need to know the like. Well, if you want to hunt the bargains. Okay. So we're looking at the, we're looking at the, the boot of Italy. So we've looked at the, the cuff on the left. And the next place we're going to go to is about a third of the way down the boot on the left-hand side, which is basically the Tuscany which is associated with Florence. So you head south of Florence. First thing you're going to go into is Chianti. So the primary grape in Chianti is the Sangiovese. Yeah, again. A different, a different grape you never heard of. But you'd be like, I'm having a nice Chianti tonight. If right. you're Hannibal, whatever. Lecter. Yeah. But okay, so that's the type of wine is a Chianti and it's made from a Sangiovese. It can be made from a couple of other grapes. Oh. But the primary grape is Sangiovese. Keep driving for another 45 minutes south. You reach the third killer bee, which is Brunello. Wait, so the wines mm. on the like outskirts, like outer circle people who are like copying the expensive areas, it's not even the same type of grape? Well, no, normally it would be the same kind of grape. But they just put that name of the grape in the title so people know what it is? Right. They can put the varietal because they're not able to put... 
like Barolo. Yeah. yeah. So it'll tell you it's a Nebbiolo, uh-huh. and it's from Alba, which if you knew your geography, you'd know is actually in the same Piedmont area. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. Alba is not a designated name. Okay, that makes sense. So the can I just say on a wine list, like it would say, um, like Brunello, right? On, or like on a wine by the glass. So if you're looking at this wine by the glass and you see Brunello, you're like, oh, that's yes, that's some good stuff. So if right, if you're doing wine by the glass and you see any of the three killer bees, most likely it's a good wine because there aren't too many bad wines that are made from those three areas because they are DOCG areas, right? And they're going to be expensive. Even by the glass. Even they're probably the not glass. doing it by the glass. No, they may be, depending on the volume. You know, New York City, New York City, trust me, has Barolos and by Barbarescos glass. by the glass. We gotta, I got to take you to the Allegheny Wine Mixer, which is, a, again, another Pittsburgh shout out. Well, maybe we could do a show there. I think we should do a show. Maybe they'd like us to... You know, we could do, do a thing there. We could do a, a live show there also, and people yeah. could come listen, and we could record. But uh, I, anyways, I bring up the Allegheny Wine Mixer because it is one of the places in Pittsburgh that has to have 30, 40 wines by the glass there. And my guess is they're all under nitrogen. Oh, you think? Yeah. Yeah. So if you open a bottle of wine, uh, the t- clock is ticking because of the oxidation that's going to take place, and the ethyl, uh, ethyl alcohol that's in there is going to turn into acetic acid under the effect of oxygen. So um, if you open an expensive bottle of wine to serve by the glass, you're going to take a big hit if you wind up dumping two-thirds of it down the, down the drain because it's oxidized. So a lot of the expensive places that are very serious about their uh, wine by the glass will actually then inject nitrogen, which is a neutral gas, which has no oxygen in it, into the, uh, bottle. into the bottle to prevent oxidation. Does that work? Sure does. So uh, those machines... Living better with chemistry. Yeah, those machines that you've seen, do you ever see those machines that the dispensers. have... dispensers. The big dispensers that do wine by the glass, those do, those put also put nitrogen into yes. the bottles. So that's, the bottles can basically stay there for weeks as opposed to oh, a day or two. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, this makes yeah. a lot more sense. Um, yeah. Those must be expensive machines. Not, yes. They're uh, not yes, cheap. Not cheap. These are glasses you're going to spend $15, $20, a glass. Which, yeah. Okay. Wait, how many bottles, how many glasses of wine are in a bottle? Well, there's 28 ounces, depending on the glass of wine. Four ounces is a, theoretically, a glass. Two That's is, not Two is much. a taste. Yeah, I know. That would be, you'd, you'd look at the waiter askance if you brought you a four, four ounce. Four ounce, yeah. Yeah. But. Okay, so I guess what I was going to say then is, um in relation, kind of going back to what you're talking about, in relation to Italy, um, uh, once again, we're learning that it is really important to understand your geography, especially because you can't even learn what... In in America, they'll at least be like, oh, it's a, you know... Varietal. They'll give you the varietal and they'll give you the area and you could be like, oh, yeah. But in... In Italy or other European countries, they're going to literally give you a word and you need to know that that word means a location in this type of grape that you don't even know if it's what that grape is because it... 
Well, if you haven't done your homework, then you won't know. It's not, yeah, but it's like, this is so much homework. This is more than just like a little... Yeah, but it's fun homework. Okay, that's true. What? But what I guess I was going to ask is like, what's a good area to kind of start with, you you think that is... Well, I think the, the area of Chianti uh, with the Tuscan wines um, is a reasonable place to start. Um, because they have, you have entry-level Chiantis that are quite uh, reasonably priced. There's another wine that doesn't get very much press that is also... Hipster wine. <clears throat> that's just east of there, uh, which carries the great name of uh, Vina Nobile de Montepulciano. So the noble wine of Montepulciano. The other thing is the other very expensive wines from that area are called the Super Tuscans. So about... I love that it's like, it's actually just called the Super Tuscan. Right. So about 30 years ago, uh, a Italian winemaker, Antonori, and a couple of other folks thought that the Tuscan area was terrific for growing international varietals, especially Cab and Merlot and, and basically the Bordeaux type varietals. They thought the weather was perfect, but the problem is that the... Um, the way that the wine laws were set up, they had nothing to call the wine. It was table wine. Okay. So uh, they persisted nonetheless and created a, a, an entire new type of wine uh, in the Tuscany area called Super Tuscan. And these tend to be cab-based wines. And some of them are the most expensive Italian wines that there are now, like Tignanello. Is that a type and of grape? Ornalaya. No, these are... Okay, I really... So it's not even a DOC. I think it achieved DOC finally. Uh, But for a long time, it was just table wine. And But where did it say super? Oh, people just colloquially... People just, right, called it the super Tuscans. Because they were these great wines, very expensive, but had no official designation. Wow. Why, what does it take to get a designation where they just established so long ago that it's so hard to... No, well, right, no, because it was new, because no one had grown these grapes there before. Okay. So it took a long time to establish their their value. Well, especially because you can't just... I say like, oh, throw them a bone, but it's also like you need, it needs to be consistent. Like it doesn't, they can't do one good year and they're like, all right, you're in. It has to be like actually a long time that they're like, okay, you've proven your point. Yes. You know what I bet they did? They took some clippings and they attached them to some old roots like Frankenstein. Probably so. Frankenstein vines. So before we finish, I do want to work our way south a little bit because... There are other areas of wine, uh, other areas of Italy that don't get a much press, but actually have some pretty neat wines. Oh, we're going to blow them up right now with <laughs> this podcast. They're about to get so much press. Yeah. You get down to Rome, and it's hot. And, yeah. And you go further south to Naples, and it's even worse. Yeah. But if you head east into the mountains, it kind of starts to cool off a little bit. Uh-huh. And they start growing grapes at altitudes of about 1,000 meters, which are 3,000 feet, where it's reasonably cool. And there they grow something called the Anglianico grape. And the Anglianico is a red grape. And the wines that are produced in a certain way, um, within a DOCG, I believe, are called Taurasi wines. So these are wines you should seek out 
if you see one on a wine list, think about it because these are really Tarasi. Tarasi, T A U R. Right. Oh, okay. Tarasi wines. They're probably not going to be terribly expensive, and they are wines that are exquisitely made and are uh, really uh, profound, can be profound red wines. You were so right in the beginning when you said that Italy is just going to completely throw you for a loop because I can't even like relate to the variety. And you've actually had these wines and you don't even remember. I mean, story of my life, Dad. You know how many wines this dude has probably let me sample if I had paid attention? We wouldn't, we literally wouldn't be here right now. Remember we were at the base of Mount Vesuvius staying at that... uh, uh, hotel, the name Tivoli? of which I don't know. No, not Tivoli. This is in Pompeii. Yeah, Pompeii. I remember the hotel. We went to a restaurant on their suggestion. Yes, and remember the uh, proprietor uh, carefully selected our wines, and one of them was the Taurasi. So you wouldn't have known about it? No, I knew about Taurasi before I got there, and that was the wine of the area. Did he tell you you want that? What did he say to you? No, 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 no. You're getting your stories mixed up. Different guy. And I will relate that story in a moment because we're going to head further south to Oh, Sicily. we're still going. Okay. We're still going south. So for probably the best Italian wine bargain, other than Chianti, is a wine called Nero de Tovola. Nero de Tovola. And it's a Sicilian wine. And it is a grape that's been uh, resurrected from near obscurity. And the wines are very quaffable red wines, and they um, typically run $15 to $25 a bottle, pretty reasonably priced. And they're generally very solid wines. Uh, and they come from Sicily, which uh, being, uh, being the, the, the toe of the boot is quite warm. Um, and the other shout-out I have to give is what you were thinking about, which was... Um, Sicilian Chardonnay. Okay. So you will remember the uh, the situation from our family. So we were t- traveling the uh, the southern coast of of Italy, and uh, we were in uh, Amalfi, and went into a Michelin restaurant there. And I had had a wine from the Venuto from near Venice a couple of days earlier that I was interested in. It was a white. And I was trying to ask our maitre d' about it, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't really paying much attention to me. And I, he sort of heard white wine, a little bit of Chardonnay, and he points at the wine list, and it's a Planeta Chardonnay from Sicily. <clears throat> and at this point, I figure he thinks that I'm some hick from the United States who knows nothing about wine. Because you were like, no Chardonnay. And, and I thought, and well, I said to like, him... because they don't even grow Chardonnay. And I said to him, Chardonnay Sicily. Really? And this is a Michelin-starred restaurant. And he didn't bat an eye, and he just put his finger down on the wine list and touched it again and said, Planeta Chardonnay. So with that kind of a recommendation, what are you going to do? So I ordered the Planeta Chardonnay, and um, it was uh, a revelation. It yeah. was an extraordinary bottle of wine. I think you remember it. Your brother remembers it. Uh, we went through Italy and actually bought more Planeta. And when yeah. I got, got home, I ordered more, and I actually still have some in my basement. Nice. Uh, but um, 
uh, improbable wine. You would never have thunk it. And it's so not a they... DOC. It's not a DOCG. It's a nothing. It's just Chardonnay from Sicily, and the producer is Planeta. So people know what, like, the average person in Italy just, like, and they care more about wine. Oh, absolutely, because they drink drink it with every, you know, with, uh, at dinner every night. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, Americans do too, but they're like, uh, Tupac Chuck, please. No, unless you're you. <laughs> then you care. Then you got your Planeta. Um, cool. Well, this was insightful. I've just only more grasped how little I know. Uh, so that's always fun going into your week to have that on the brain. Um, cool. Well, thank you. So we've reached the southern end of Italy and we're about to go into the Mediterranean. Oh, so it's yeah. probably time to stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were like, no, really, I'm going to keep. <laughs> I got more wineries for you. Um, cool. Well, thank you, whoever you are, whomever you are, so much for listening. Uh, this is Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend to know about wine. Um, please, 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 if you could be a dear, rate and review us on iTunes. It means so much to us. Follow us on Instagram for updates on the show at Dad Teaches Me About Wine. And then send your comments, questions, suggestions to Dad Teaches Me About Wine at gmail.com. Other than that, um, Cheers. Cheers till next time.